Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this leadership episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Froke. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Casaglo. And today, we're continuing the Mark's Hall of Fame hires interviews. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I've loved them all. But Shay Keeler has been on the main 30 MPC show before. And this might have been my favorite episode so far. Holy smokes, can Shay lead a team? And she had a meteoric rise to the top. Mark, why should people listen? Listen, I have worked with a lot of very talented people. And there's a few people that when I wanted to blaze a trail, I gave it to that person to do. Shay was our trailblazer. She's the machete in the woods, cutting shit down and moving forward. And so like, I think what you'll see in this episode is not only... Does she have that energy and that vibe? But she knows exactly what she's doing and has it detailed out into a tactical level and is just making it work. So I think that this episode is insane on like takeaways that you can put into practice like right after you listen. That's 100% true. And for everyone who's listening, one thing that Shay really brings to the table that's unique is to Mark's point, she knows exactly what to do has ruthlessly clear expectations and accountability, but she also gets to know her people. So at some point, she references her how you work questions, aka her questionnaire to get to know her team. That is linked in the show notes if you want to get a sense of how Shay gets to know her team and how you can do it too. But first, let's listen to the show. And three, two, one, let's ride. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. 
Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. All righty, Shay, welcome to the show. We start every leadership show with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. All right. Number one is I would say I start every quarter with the top three. So those are my top three initiatives. Sometimes I pick those. Sometimes those are given to me from executive leadership. But throughout the quarter, when I find myself really overwhelmed with so many different things going on from ramping to hiring to hitting my number, et cetera, I oftentimes find myself feeling overwhelmed and burnt out in that regard. And so I'll pull myself into a room. I'll write down everything that's overwhelming me, everything that's pulling me in different directions. And I'll write down my top three priorities for the quarter next to it. I'll cross off anything that doesn't directly in line or directly impact those top three priorities. And then I'll go remind myself that I can let some of those burn and that I don't have to focus on them because the top three things are really the only things that matter. And then I directly impact my calendar and make sure my schedule reflects that so that I can get focused on those three again. Well, we're not adding a fourth takeaway because we only have the top three. What's number two? (laughs) Number two is how you work question. So whenever someone new comes to my team or I start reporting to someone new, I always send them the same questions. Those questions involve What motivates you? What are your working hours? What's your why? What are you working towards right now? What's your greatest superpower? And we spent our first one-on-one doing a really deep dive into how they work and how they like to work, et cetera. Like every rep, every manager, every director is very different and what motivates them is really different. And so I find that this is really helpful for me to kick off on a great note with them and also really understand it. In return, I share them everything about me. What's my biggest pet peeves? What am I working on, et cetera? And it allows me to have a really great relationship with my reps. Boom. What's number three? Number three is uh, SMEs, create subject matter experts. So many leaders think that they have to be the only person to teach their team when in reality, most people would actually rather learn from people that are really good at their job and doing it on a day-to-day basis. So I leverage my team to help train and develop the people on my team. And so I'll assign people subject matter experts. So, hey, Mark, you are great at selling X, Y, and Z. You're going to help run this training. Here's what we're going to do. And then you're going to work with Billy on how to help develop this and make sure he gets really good at it. So it helps him learn from other people and then delegates for me. I always love helping out young Billy. He's such a (laughs) moldable young man. Absolutely. (laughs) But hey, Shay, I want to go back to number one. You know, it's funny, early in my career, I would often feel overwhelmed and I didn't know where to go. Tell us the story. How did you stumble into this whiteboarding diarrhea situation where you're just like splattering it all on the board? Like, how'd you get into that? (laughs) Yeah. So I would say this probably really happened when I became a director and I was like overseeing leaders because I had down to a natural rhythm, like managing reps. And I remember one quarter I took over the global team. And so I was managing London and I had the teams in the States as well. And I was just working crazy hours. I was just feeling stretched really thin. And my boss at the time pulled me into a room and he's like, hey, tell me everything that's overwhelming you right now. And the list was pretty long and we went on and on. And then he's like, okay, Shay, like what is the top three things that matter? What are you going to get graded on from your job? And what does the business need you to do? And I was like, gave him those top three. And then he gave me permission to let everything else burn and that I could just focus on these top three to ensure that I not only didn't let the business down, but I also didn't let my team down and I stayed focused on the main thing. 
I want you to like describe emotionally what it does for. We don't talk about that a lot as leaders. We do talk a lot about our teams and like culture and energy and all that, but our energy and our emotions as leaders is a huge thing for our team. So describe to me like what happens. You walk into a room, you're nervous, you're anxious, you're stressed, and now you got this whiteboard filled up with stuff. How do you feel afterwards? I think as a leader, what happens when you're feeling really overwhelmed, and I see this a lot, even at the executive level down, then you start to push it down onto your people. So I'm like got all the weight of the world on me. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone doesn't prospect and I get a little sassier than I normally would or that accountability conversation is a little bit harder. And so I'm a perfectionist. I like to do everything really good and I don't want to let anyone down, but it kind of gives me the freedom and flexibility to say like, hey, I actually don't have to be great at this right now. I really only need to nail these three things. And then it allows my energy and focus to go to those three things. You know, like there's so many times that someone does something and you're like, man, I should give feedback. But it's like, actually, it doesn't go into my top three. So I'm going to let it go this time. And I always tell my managers that like, hey, don't waste your energy. You only have so much energy, waste it on the things that matter. So you have a legendary rise at Outreach. We hired you as a rep. I think within eight or nine months, you were managing a team. You quickly became the best manager. We made you a director. Now you're managing managers. After I left, you did a bunch of stuff after that. How does a process like this help you grow? Because I think you have the trajectory that almost every sales leader wants. And now you're following your past VP to the new company and he's giving you more responsibility. Like how is a technique like that helping you have that rise and support yourself through it so that you're driving success for yourself and your teams? Well, I appreciate that kind words there, Mark. I think what it really does is it allows me to focus my energy. So I only have so much energy and I have things outside of my job and I have other things that I need to prioritize in my life too. And so like, I want to be really great. And this is what helps me do that. You know, if I am working on 10 different projects, I'm not going to be great at that. It's kind of like the same when managers give rep 10 different things that they're doing wrong and you expect them to implement all those 10 different things. That's impossible. You're not going to change someone and make them do 10 different things. Where if you get really granular and really tactical, it does that. And I think what this has done as I've gotten more responsibility is it allows me to operate more like a business. Like I have a business that I run. I don't run a sales team. I run a sales team, but I think about it as my business. And those are my top three things that I need to do in order to make sure my business is profitable and hitting what it needs to hit. I won't pile on to the whiteboard diarrhea analogy because I think there are other ways to describe <laughs> the magic that you put together. But I want to tap on this again. And the reason for that is, is Shay, the other day I was reading this book by the, uh, the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger. And he was talking about how he was competing for the CEO role. And he actually got the advice from someone who advised past presidents on political campaigns. And so he listed out the 10 things he wanted to do as CEO. And the publicist was like, no, 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 no. If you have more than three, that's a to-do list. And no one will remember anything after number four. Another really good correction that I heard is if you ever have a correction that is less than a 20% correction, don't make it because then it just feels petty and small. And so for you, when you think about the massive mountain, maybe we can even take your goals for this quarter or the upcoming year in 2024. What does make your top three? And what are the things that you're okay letting burn as a revenue leader? So I can give you an example for right now. So I started in October a new role. And my job was to come in and help create process, structure, kind of get things going and create a playbook that we could repeat and become a world-class sales org. So there's a lot of things that are not going well and a lot of things that I'm having to let burn right now. And so 
right now, my number one focus is to hit my forecast. And that might sound like it's always in my top three. Sometimes it stack ranks different dependent on how the business is performing, et cetera. But I'm running the entire sales org. And so I need to hit my forecast because I need to hit that for my boss and for the business and for the board, et cetera, right? I also need to hire. So that one doesn't always make my top three, but I need really good sellers in right now because that's the only way I'm going to hit fiscal year 24 number. So hiring is a top priority for me. And that's something that I'm putting above a lot of other things. And then I would say number three right now is process. So I have three steps. I'm not working on the whole sales process. We're really focused on three things, setting an agenda, following an initial meeting deck and getting next step. And those are like the three things that if you ask any of my reps about right now, they would say like, Shay won't stop talking to me about. And everything kind of falls from there. Shay and I used to work with somebody that called it the broken record syndrome. He said the number one (laughs) job of a manager or a leader is to be a broken record. And we do know this, like, why does advertising work? It works because they pummel you. And whether you believe it or not, they're influencing you over time. And we need to take that approach. And Shay's always been really good about banging that drum over and over and over again. Like, Shay, how do you do that without making people mad or getting people upset or, or being like, oh, my God, here's Shay again talking about this same old crap? Like, how do you help with that? I think it kind of ties back to my tip number two of like getting to know my people. I think anyone that's reported to me knows I genuinely really care about them. And I set really clear expectations. And I also tell them, hey, here's when you're going to hear from me if you haven't done this. And so one of the things I see leaders do all the time is they like don't check in till end of day Friday. Well, if you're giving reps till end of day Friday to do something, they're probably not going to do it. And you're really not creating that behavior that you want them to do, or they just assume that they're going to do it. And so I always say like, hey, Mark, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. That's what I'm expecting of you. Or here's the why that you need to do this because you want to become a manager and you need to get good at forecasting or you're never going to get promoted into that role. And then here's where I'm going to check in on you. And it kind of becomes like this natural rhythm that they know that they're going to hear from me. And if they don't hear from me, then they come to me. And that's really when you know you've made it is when they come to you and tell you, hey, Shay, I did this and I just want you to know, or I'm not going to hit prospecting metrics this week because of X, Y, and Z. And that's like what really when I feel like, yes, okay, my point has been made. We've got this and we're moving in the right direction. Get people to tattletale on themselves. It's so simple, y'all. Yeah, it's (laughs) the best. And then you're like, okay, great. But I think it really comes down to like caring and making it about them. What so many managers do is they make it about themselves. I need you to hit this because Mark's going to get mad at me if I don't do this. No one cares about that. I need you to hit this because you want to hit 100% of your number and get your president's club. And this is what the best reps do. What I love what you're doing is you're getting to know them on a personal level, but you're being consistent and you're not overwhelming them with 17 different things that the sales org needs to fix because you probably see 17 different things. But to Mark's point earlier, one of the challenges is when you try to teach your team 17 different things, oftentimes you get this pressure coming from the top of you have a CEO or a senior revenue leader that brings you in and they're like, I got to fix all these problems. And what you're doing is so important because what you're saying is these are the three most important ones to fix first. But then my guess is you're letting your VP or CRO or whoever else needs to know that these are the things that I know exist. And publicly, I'm saying it's okay that they exist for now. It is not okay that these other three things exist right now, right? And so you're shielding your team from a lot of the barrage and the noise of the things that need to be fixed in the future so they can focus on only doing three things right. 
so Shay, I'm curious for you, can you talk to me about like, how do you actually communicate these three things to your team? Are you baking them into rhythms? Are you doing a big quarterly kickoff? How does this go from whiteboard to your brain to your team's brain? I would say to the point of a broken record, typically it's in every meeting that we have and I just keep talking about it. And if I can assign metrics to it as well, then I'll give like updates on it. So, you know, revenue is a really easy one. Every week I talk about here's where we're pacing. Here's what we've got committed for the week. And then on Fridays, I'll do the same. And so I just continue to talk about it. And then I make sure all the trainings are aligned and all the like film reviews, et cetera, are aligned to these as well so that we keep talking about it. Because a lot of times, too, we change the training topics every week that are totally different than what's aligned to the top three. And so I make sure everything stays on that. And then we reflect at the end of the quarter. Hey, and QBR is the next one. Like, how do we do on it? Is this something we can graduate from or do we need to stay focused on it and have it be another top priority for another quarter? Che, how do you in, in general decide something's done? We could go on forever about one of the things that you're working on right now with, hey, we're trying to help you understand how to do next steps. You could do that forever, right? How do you know when it's done? I would say when it becomes like a natural habit for people. So like they say it takes 30 days to create a habit. Sometimes you have to go back to it. But once you be, like see the behavioral change and you could listen to 10 calls and hear every rep ask for a next step, it's like, okay, great. They probably don't need me to keep talking about this because we're making good progress, but we might have to come back to it in the future. I don't know if a lot of this stuff is ever done. I think a lot of top reps actually forget the basics and that's when you have to like bring them back. But yeah, so I don't know if a lot of it's ever done, but you do have to change or you're going to have reps disengage because they don't want to hear you talk about the same thing every week. Yeah. I want to talk about something that both of you mentioned on our prep, which is let's say that one of our top three initiatives is prospecting for the quarter. Q1, perfect timing. We drained all of our pipeline. We need to start reaching out to folks again. And I see a lot of sales leaders that say, oh, we need to build more pipeline. We're going to do 3x, 4x pipeline coverage. And I commanded into the skies this quarter. And then nothing happens. And Mark, you were saying that Shay's one of the few people that if you actually want to change the behavior and culture on a team, you put it in Shay's hands and she can actually get reps to do it. So let's pick the prospecting example. Let's say your reps are putting up the zero dial specials every night. What do you do to change that behavior over the course of a quarter? So I think it starts with setting a clear expectation. So, hey, the expectation is, and like map it out, you need to make 50 dials and they need to be like connected to a prospect. You need to add 30 people into a sequence and I want you to have no overdue tasks at the end of every week. Those would be like really simple basics, right? And I will literally put in their calendar what they need to do. It's like Monday, you need to send 10 emails. And I will follow up with them and I will check them throughout that process or have my managers do that. And so we had what we called an operating rhythm at Outreach. Every day there was a certain prospecting expectation. It was marked out in the calendar. Everyone knew what the expectation was and they would get held accountable to it. Then I think it's once you have that and it's everyone's aligned, it's great. You know what I'm expecting of you. Then the why. Hey, you're never going to hit your number without prospecting. And so like, here's what you need to do. Here's why this is important to you and get really granular and technical on that. And that's where I think people miss it the most. No one wants to prospect. It's just not the funnest thing for an AE to do it, especially when they're used to everything getting generated from someone else. But if you need it to hit your number, then you've got to do it. 
And then I think comes in like the relentless accountability. Like I don't want to call one of my top reps and ask them like, hey, why didn't you hit your prospecting dials for the day? But I have to do that. That's my job as a leader. And so I would just pick up the phone. Hey, Mark, I'm confused. You had two hours here and you what's going on? Did you get to your 50 dials? I already know the answer. They'd be like, oh, no, Shay, you know, I got super busy. Okay, great. So by end of day, we can get to 50 completed dials. Fabulous. Go. And I'll connect it to something about them. I know you really want to buy that house. And in order for you to buy that house, you need to do this. And I like always leave it on a high note and make it about them and then send them on their way. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to check that and I'll put a little note, like check Connor's metrics and then I'll go back. But Shay, I've been selling for a long time and I just don't know if that works for me. I feel a little bit like you're micromanaging me. Well, like, why don't you just let me kind of do my thing? Because it doesn't work when I let people do their thing. (laughs) (laughs) The reality, it doesn't work. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) So to push on that, like, how do you handle this? Because so it's almost Christmas time and I'm about to get 12 days of dial excuse gifts from Santa Claus. And it's going to be everything from people don't pick up during the holidays. It's a lot of no-shows. I have to work my deals so they land in Q4. And what I would do is I would literally just pull up my old outreach reports and I would be like, hey, when I was the first rep at PAVE, I was dialing in the basement while trying to hire you, you prick. Look at that, 150 cold calls the week before Christmas. And so if I did it, shut up and you do it too. But not everyone can do that. Not everyone was a rep at their last company. And so when you get people who have these excuses around, oh, it's too busy, or maybe they even say things like people don't pick up the phones anymore. I'm more of an email type of person. How do you handle a lot of that dial reluctance or overall prospecting reluctance when people think that they should be focusing on other things? Yeah, I think it's kind of two buckets. So bucket one, I think is if you miss your metrics like one to two times, I seek to understand what's going on, what got in the way, like, and that's the conversation we have is I'm genuinely curious. And I want to know and like, we have a conversation about that. By times three, it's I'm confused. You told me you want to be great at this job. You told me you want to hit your number. And you're not doing the basic KPIs. And it's kind of like as simple as that. It's what's going on here. And then I'd say about the fourth, it's do you want to be here? And I know that can sound like dramatic. And some leaders like don't want to go to that far. But if they're not showing up and doing the basic things and they're making an excuse for everything, then like, I don't want you on my team. I want to have the people that will find a way and figure it out. So that's bucket one. But I think bucket two is like coaching and development. So when people are not seeing success, I love to come with them with a tip to improve. And so for a lot of reps, they're like, can you get in touch with anyone? Da, 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 da. I'll spend like 15 minutes before the call block and I'll look through and I'll figure out what are some like ideas I could have for them. And then I'll call them and I'll say like, hey, Corey, I did a deep dive. I went through all your calls. I figured out why you're not getting in touch with people. You're using the same number and you're calling the same people at the same time. Here's what we're going to do. And I get really tactical on them. So then they get excited and I'm constantly making them better versus being like this dictator that just keeps saying like, make dials, do this, et cetera. And I think when you combine the two, it makes her a perfect storm and then people feel like they're getting better and you're on the same side versus just like telling them what they need to do so how have you both stayed sharp in the game and the reason that i ask that is shay in order to do what you're doing you need to be able to look under the hood inside of an outreach or a sales loft or whatever tool you're using you need to be able to look under the hood see the types of accounts someone's working see how many uncleared tasks they are 
right? Look at their reply rates and stuff like that. And I remember I once had a sales leader who couldn't figure out how to like open a dashboard in Salesforce, let alone even understand that there were tools other than Salesforce that in fact existed. It just happened below the fold somewhere, right? And so for you, as you've become a more and more senior leader and become less close to the game, you've had more reps under your belt. How have you stayed sharp in the game so you can still call BS in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, Shay's out of touch. She doesn't actually know what she's talking about anymore. So I would say that's actually like been one of my biggest aha moments when I stepped into being a director and managing managers. I thought everyone just knew how to be a great coach. Like, oh, you know how to like diagnose, you know how to figure out what's going wrong, and then you know how to give everyone an action plan. And boy, was I wrong. Most people actually don't know how to do it. And so what I try to do is I listen to a ton of calls. If I'm not good at something, I utilize other resources. Mark's a great seller. I've asked Mark for a ton of advice. I run pipeline reviews based on how Mark taught me. You got to utilize your resources and get different people to help you. And then you got to just practice and keep doing it. And I train all my managers. Your number one superpower should be to be a great coach. Otherwise, you're doing this wrong because like any professional coach is really good at developing and coaching and making everyone better. And that's what you need to do. And so I think it just takes practice. It takes time and it just takes digging in and then asking for help if you don't know what to do. A big part of it is just professional pride. Like for me, I think one of the most important things a leader can have is street cred. I just had a call before this one with a rep who's like, Mark, I think I'm going to have a tough negotiation call. Can you join? You know what I was like? Why are you asking me like right now? Like, yes, put me in. Let's go, coach. She's like, well, how are you going to do this? I'm like, we're going to do this. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And we get in there and we were in a great negotiations call. So how do you think that rep feels about my coaching when like I took over part of the call where I could tell she needed a little bit of help and like we tag teamed it, worked it together. And so if I'm gonna have street cred, I have to be able to do the skills. If I have to do the skills, that means I have to have enough professional pride to realize I got to keep working on my game. Shay always worked on her game. And I think that's where a lot of leaders fall off is they think that the last point of the stuff that they did is kind of mastery and there's nowhere to grow after that or they just don't put in the work to keep growing and you're gonna lose that street cred we've all had those leaders where i'm like god that's so old i'm not doing that <laughs> so true i mean there are a lot of leaders that will say things like oh you shouldn't even jump in on calls for your reps you should let them take the lead and don't get me wrong i think there's a place to let your reps lead but i find that oftentimes people think that as a leader you don't need to be good at sales anymore and I think you can succeed in some super scale organizations where you're basically a glorified people of people manager. But if you lose your ability every once in a while, I think it's really good to like dunk all over one of your reps, like especially when they're asking you to do that thing to show like, hey, still got it kind of thing. Because then when you run a training, it's like, oh, this person's still willing to eat the shit. You know, every once in a while, I would jump in on a dial blitz with my team. I'd be like, all right, anyone who beats the number of meetings I put on the board gets to like, whatever, you get a gift card or you get something or you get to rub it in my face next time we do XYZ all hands or something like that. You get put on the board, get in there with the team and like try to dunk on them and be okay if one of your reps dunks on you too. It's totally fine. Yeah, I agree. You have to stay sharp. You can't forget the skills and you got to like constantly be working on it. So in podcasts like this are a great way to like learn something from a different leader and be able to implement it as well. Boom.
I really like this sheet. I didn't know you did this sheet. Like this sheet sounds super cool where you can do an interview with somebody to figure out like, how do I get into their head? How to get under their skin? Tell me a little bit of like a couple of the questions and maybe there's a story, Shay, of like how this sheet saved your butt. Give us a little bit more into it. So when I first started as a leader, I was like 24 leading a team of like, who decided to trust me at 24 with a team of 12 brand new out of college? I don't know, but they did. And I was a really bad sales leader. Like I was really good at my job. I expected people to just operate in the same way as I did. And I remember I got this terrible manager feedback. It was like the biggest moment in my career. I was like, I either got to figure this out or like I got to get back into sales and not be a sales leader again. And I worked on myself a lot and I got into a lot better spot. And I learned that like, I need to appreciate how everyone is. And I don't want 10 shades. I want all these different varieties that I got to figure out how to work best with them. And so I started doing this love language test to figure out like, why do people like feedback, et cetera. And then it led into this. So I think ultimately, like some of the questions I'll ask is, how do you like to get feedback? Everyone will write down, I want direct feedback. And I'm like, hey, you know, everyone will tell me they want really direct feedback and they don't care how they get it. I actually don't think that's true. I don't want really direct feedback via Slack from my boss. And then we'll like get into some dialogue and conversation because that just feels shitty when you get really direct feedback just via Slack. And then I'll ask, what's something you're working towards right now? I have a notes section in my computer that I have everything about my reps in it. And I'll put down little things like their spouse's names or their birthday. So I can constantly feel like I'm up to date with them. And then when they're like, have something really good happen, I'll tie it back to something that I have in the doc. And then it's kind of just constantly evolving and moving in the right direction. Well, Shay, we are almost 30 minutes in the President's Club. And unfortunately, per the top three, we can't do 40 minutes to President's Club. And so we do have to end with the final question. But this has been outstanding. So Shay, we talked about a lot of good habits that sales leaders exhibit. We're going to talk about a bad one. And so if there were one thing that you could say, no sales leader in the world is ever allowed to do this ever again, what would that be? What would one bad habit to break be? Gives feedback via Slack. Or hold someone accountable via Slack. It's the worst. The most triggering thing. The worst. Little soundbite written feedback. Alrighty, folks. What a great wrap. Shay, this was an amazing episode. Everyone hang on for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Cheers. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect 
any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. All righty, Mark. What'd you think? Well, I mean, can I somehow get her back on my team? That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the special thing about Shay, her personality oozes leadership and like control and just she's just in control of herself. And that can at times read hard. And I think that she has figured that out and has put in processes and things like that. Hey, how can I get to know you thing that softens her up so that that really great leader can really connect with the people she's leading. And I think that that's kind of her superpower. Yeah, I was wildly impressed to that point around. Shay's like, she hasn't lost her touch in the game at all. And I was like, holy smokes, the level of detail that she's willing to dig in with her reps, despite being a very senior leader, is absolutely wild. Like a rep says, I don't want a prospect. She's pulling up the outreach dashboard, looking at their tasks, seeing the types of accounts they're working. And I'm like, holy smoke, she set these like big three priorities for the org. And she knows how to speak at the CRO, the CEO level about big three priorities. But then she can get down to the workflow level and be like, hey, I know exactly why you're not hitting your commits. I know how you're spending your time and here's how you need to do things differently. And that's just a next level of accountability and credibility that she brings to the table. No doubt. Alrighty, folks. Well, if you like this one, we talked a lot about great ways to train your team. And so in these show notes, you can get Shay's How You Work questions, which she has generously provided to you all. And stick around for the next episode of the 30 MPC Leadership Show. Cheers, folks. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes.